Vera Payne. The ability to analyze DNA and use it to determine inherited traits, diseases, roots, and more has been a growing trend for years. At first, it was used as a way of identifying criminals. Today, genetic testing is far more common and popular, and with that comes privacy concerns. Director of the Specialized Master in Biopharmaceutical Management at ESCP Europe Paris campus, Frédéric Gelat, is here to speak about genetic privacy and why we should be cautious when it comes to our own DNA. Thanks for joining me, Frederick. My pleasure. So can you tell me what genetic testing is being used against certain people? Okay, so genetic information is really a highly sensitive personal information. You can have uh, combined with contact, health issues, lifestyle, financial information, then the genetic information, in a way, uh, paints a very detailed picture of you. And also, which is even, I would say, <laughs> sometimes good, sometimes bad, potentially your other family members. So in terms of legislation, the problem is that those highly sensitive personal information are associated with a relatively low baseline of protection. Everything is still not really stable, and companies write their own uh, privacy policy, which means that you have a very few laws which regulate what companies must do, must do in order to keep your data information private and secure. So if you want to make sure your data is safe, you are going to read the company's privacy policy. For example, you may know names like 23andMe or Ancestry DNA, but the rights associated with using those services may be very different from one company to another. So some testing companies hardly provide any information at all. And in some cases, you may even not have a, a private policy on their website. So you should be very careful because there are still associated risks of uh, undergoing a genetic test without knowing or fully understanding what uh, the consequences will be, what you agree for. I would add on top of that, that you don't still have legal accreditation or certification standards, which means that there is no guarantee about the quality of the tests that you will receive. Wow. So... To sum it up, this means that a company privacy is the only thing that's protecting your genetic information. But how isn't it my own private information? I find that to be kind of strange that you agree to do a genetic testing and suddenly a company has the right to do what they want with your genetic? Well, as a matter of fact, it's not it's not the systematic you may have companies that will uh, just use your own uh, DNA or genetics information because there is a kind of default agreement, you know. You don't sign anything, so you let them transfer your genetic information to others without having any money associated to that, royalty-free, and for issues like new product development, personalized product offerings, or uh, clinical research, and more. So it means that some of those companies, 
by indeed still a kind of default agreement. But the majority, in the majority of the case, you have legal issues that uh, obliges companies to have your consent. The theory is that your consent should be provided in writing. So that's the rule, but still not stable enough or not legislated enough to be always the case. And you may have, even if you uh, give your uh, consent in writing, at least two situations where this can be a problem. The first one is if you won't voluntarily agree to have your genetic test results posted online, and if then you would change your mind later, uh, and even if it's safe to be anonymized, there is a possibility that your genetic information could potentially be linked back to you if it is re-identified or could be used in ways you didn't intend. So it means that as everything which is posted online, as everything which is posted on social networks, you lose really the control over your own personal genetic uh, privacy. That's the first problem. And the second problem could be in a more, I would say, noble situation where you consent to provide your genetic information for research purposes. And then even if you have the right to withdraw your consent later, once the, the personal information that you gave has been analyzed as part of a research design, as part of a research study, and aggregated into the final result, it may not always be easy or even possible to withdraw your consent. So that's at least two situations where even if you accept and then you want to change your mind, it will be very, very difficult even to play things legally, if you wish. Are there any countries or states in the U.S. that have any type of genetic privacy laws to protect people? Because it seems like we need them. Well, I'm not too much, being not a, a U.S. citizen myself, I just looked at the different, the different legislation. Well, as often, I would say California, for example, is a little bit more ahead of some other, other states in the United States. What I just can say, Arizona is another one, as far as I know. But as far as I know, you have uh, some differences and sometimes some major differences between states. So once more, California, I think Oregon, Arizona, and some others have quite advanced legislation in terms of protecting your own uh, genetic uh, privacy. Some others are very liberal, very uh, I think that the states in the south of the United States are much less legalized, much, much less legally oriented related to those matters. The Canadian law, for example, is quite developed. In Canada, you have the so-called Genetic Non-Discrimination Act that puts uh, individuals in control of their personal information. So it is prohibited for any person to collect, use, disclose their genetic test results without their written consent. And um, 
in France, a country that I know, <laughs> you have a strong legal system, which is also the case for countries in Europe like Sweden, which strictly limit the access of relatives, for example, to a participant genetic information. And uh, in any case, uh, written consent is always requested. In France, for example, which is quite uh, an extreme country in that respect, uh, no result concerning the characteristics of the genome of an individual is to be provided to parents, third parties, or any public or private organization without the explicit consent of the individual, which I think will lead us to our uh, next discussion. So if, you, if I was clear enough, in France, for example, no private organization could have access to your genome or your genetic privacy uh, without the explicit consent of the individual. Wow. You know, here in the States, we kind of treat DNA and uh, genetic screening as a novelty. There's, to me, you know, personally, I don't think there's much information in my DNA that would affect me in the long run. But do you think that genetic screening could affect someone in the long run? It could affect their job or their health insurance or their just life in general or even their future children's lives. Well, um, at the moment, uh, as you said, you have some, some legal uh, actions or legal issues that may protect you against the genetic screening to get a job or get health uh, insurance. But once again, the law is a little bit subtle because, for example, in the United States, health insurers and workplaces are not allowed to discriminate based on DNA, but that law doesn't apply, for example, to life insurance or, disabil or disability insurance. So you have some cases where you are protected indeed and some cases where you are not. As far as I know and as far as I understood, you have a federal, which is a National Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, the so-called GINA, and under GINA, employment discrimination based on generic risk is illegal. But this act does not cover life, long-term care, or disability insurance. And some states, among which I think California and Oregon, I'm not sure, this has to be uh, <laughs> checked, but most states offer additional protection on top of that GINA federal uh, legislation, if you wish. Now, I know there's a lot of things that we need to protect when it comes to your own genetics and your DNA, but are there any drawbacks to these type of privacies? Like, are we, would we be going too far with the legalities? Well, you know, my point of view would be uh, that DNA be, being really what defines you, what defines your body, it really has to be protected. Nevertheless, in terms of drawback, what you can say in one condition, the benefits may be drawbacks and the drawbacks may be limitations on risks. So in terms of, of uh, a potential uh, genetic privacy drawback, I would say that, of course, in terms of, uh, you know, adding more fine-tunings on treatment protocols, for example, against cancers, 
it's true that having a more open genetic policy will help life, sorry, the medical staff, medical people to access more information, to have more representative samples so that they can test hypotheses and they can indeed uh, probably increase the efficiency of the, of the treatment protocols. Another aspect, which is, I would say, some benefits in some situation of having genetic testing is uh, that genetic testing promotes awareness of genetic diseases. So it's a little bit like, you know, how could I say, the internet, the, the connected objects. When you have a, a watch that is giving you some clues about your health profile, um, having more information about our health, disease risks, and other traits can indeed uh, increase our proactiveness, if you wish. So, yes, in some respect, having more information, being more informed, being informed in a more representative way will help us to be more health conscious first and will help the scientists and healthcare experts in fighting in a more, much more efficient way, diseases like cancers and some others. And increasing, of course, the therapies like uh, chemotherapy. We've been speaking about the legalities around DNA privacy, but should people be also worried about their DNA information being stolen by hackers? Absolutely. It can be hacked as any other information. And especially if you accept to be uh, your information to be to be online, you know, because the more people have access to your DNA or any kind of uh, personal information, the more uh, vulnerable uh, you are of uh, being hacked. As companies amass more data, they will become increasingly attractive to criminals and vulnerable to uh, cyber theft. So DNA, as any other information are vulnerable, are fragile, but the problem with DNA is that, as we said, it's really probably the most private information about yourself. So be aware of the fact that, yes, genes can be hacked and DNA information can be hacked as well as any other information. Thank you, Frederick, for joining me to explain about DNA privacy. Now, before we end this conversation, I wanted to get one last opinion out of you. So if someone who was on the fence about getting a DNA test, what would you tell them? Should they get it? Should they not? I would say go ahead, but be really conscious about the company's privacy policy because you may have black and white situations. So you may not know what you enter in. So be very, uh, very careful and read the uh, company's privacy policy. I would also be very cautious in accepting my information, my genetic information to be public. I would myself, being so close to all the healthcare and life science questions, to offer my genetic information to health protocols and clinicians, but not in the in the private life nor in in the in the professional life. 
I would be very careful because we still don't know what the long-term implication of rendering your information public could be. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends.